Thank you for listening to the official podcast of Everyday Church. We are a body of believers in Oklahoma City with the mission to live out our faith on a daily basis. Let's listen in as we hear a powerful message from God's Word. Well, today we're going to continue our series, I'm Not the Perfect Parent, which I think we can all say amen to if we are a parent. Now, I also want to encourage you that if you're not a parent, maybe that is one day that is a desire of yours that you would love to be a parent in the future. Uh, I can remember being a, a young single man. I didn't get married till I was 30, oh, ancient, but hearing messages on being single and trying to really learn from those messages because I knew that was my heart and that one day I was hoping and praying that God would allow me to be married. And so I believe God can still speak to you and maybe kids isn't an option and maybe not a desire uh, or just not an option. And there's maybe a role that you have in the lives of neighbor's kids or as a teacher or whatever the case may be. I still believe God has something for you. Or maybe you're a grandparent today. This is a wonderful opportunity as a grandparent, as kind of like a background singer to come alongside uh, your child as they raise their child and to be an echoing voice and to understand how they're parenting and how it even might be different than how you parented, but to come alongside them and to be another voice of wisdom. Uh, Kim and I are very thankful to have both sets of grandparents that are active and alive and uh, helping our kids and being a part of that process. And so you have a wonderful opportunity as well. But today we're going to uh, we're going to talk about a tricky word. We're going to talk about the word. We're going to talk about the word discipline. Okay, I, that could be a tricky subject. I believe. The scriptures teach us that discipline is an essential. Now, the mode of that can potentially be a non-essential or, or how we carry that out with the uniqueness of our kids. But the scripture is very clear that as a parent that we have the role to discipline our children. Just because it's tricky uh, or, or uh, uh, kind of an explosive word, we don't want to avoid that. As a parent, we're trying to help us and to equip us to be the best that we can be. And so we want to approach this word cautiously, but according to the heart of Scripture. And so we're going to look at that word discipline. Now, one of the things that encourages me about discipline is that even though I'm grown and I'm no longer under my parents' roof or their authority in that manner, but that I am still a kid. I have a a heavenly father that uh, no matter how long I've been in the faith, how many years I've accrued as a follower of Christ, does not exempt me from my father's discipline. I'm still under his authority, and he still disciplines me as his child. Hebrews 12.5 says, Have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. So as a follower of Jesus Christ, I fall under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is my boss. He is my master. He is my father. And as my Heavenly Father, he has the responsibility out of love to discipline me. And it's always out of love that he disciplines me. It's for my own good. Okay, He has the authority, and I surrendered to that. I submitted to that and said, you have the authority to discipline, to guide me, to lead me. You are Lord, not just Savior, forgiver of my sins. You're also the boss. And I've surrendered to that. I've submitted myself. I bow at the feet of the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Now, as... And earthly father, he's given me the responsibility to help raise my kids under my authority 
and in discipline. Verse 7 of Hebrews 12, if we just went to the next verse, says, as you endure this divine discipline, okay, as a follower of Christ, you're going to face divine discipline. Remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? Okay, throughout scripture, it's understood as even the scriptures tell kids to obey their parents, okay, when we're under the authority uh, of our parents under their roof. We honor for a lifetime, we obey for a season, but we are to obey our parents. We have this responsibility as a parent to discipline. Did I say something funny? Did I mess up? Oh. Uh, I've tuned out my father. I'm at that age where I can do that. Now, I still honor you. I love you, Dad. Amen. So, in light of this task okay, that we've been given, we now need to figure out, okay, if we have the responsibility to discipline our own children, what is the purpose of it? What's the purpose of our discipline? Now, contrary to popular belief, it's not to produce obedient robots that do everything that we say every time, right? That, that's not necessarily the goal of discipline. Even though sometimes we make that the prime product what we're trying to do is to get them to obey every little thing we say and exactly how we say it. The goal of discipline is not to produce that little robot that beckons to everything that you say. That's not the ultimate goal. I love how James Dobson put the purpose of discipline. He said the objective, he's talking about discipline, is to take the raw material our babies arrive with on this earth and gradually, because it is a process, mold it, shaping them into mature, responsible, God-fearing adults. Okay, look at it again. The objective, he's talking about discipline, is to take the raw material, and every baby's different. Okay, they arrive with on this earth and gradually mold it, shaping them into mature, responsible, God-fearing adults. And so this is what that means. More than likely, discipline is even deeper than we thought. It goes way beyond behavior modification. Our job through discipline ultimately is to disciple our kids. That's what discipline should be about. Helping our children, the younger generation, know who God is and to follow God with all their hearts to be like Jesus. Okay, Disciple and discipline actually came from, come from the same root word in Latin. And so as a follower of Christ... We have a responsibility. And no matter who you are, no matter what age, if you are a follower of Christ, we are to be a disciple who makes disciples. That's what a disciple does. But if you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you have been blessed with the gift of children, discipleship really starts in your own home. You're to raise up your kids in a fashion where that they would follow Jesus Christ. That is the primary purpose of discipline. Maybe another way to put that is the heart of discipline in the home is to show our kids who God is. That should be what we're trying to accomplish with our discipline, to paint a picture of our God, which is a massive responsibility. I get it, because you're not God. I'm not God, far from it. And so we can almost be overwhelmed by that thought. And I have, sadly, met people along life's journey from young and old that had a... a bad perception of the heavenly father because of a broken relationship with their earthly father. Maybe you in this room now or had a time where you viewed God through the lens of your earthly dad and, and it gave a broken view of God. 
right or wrong, that it happens. Now, we, have, we still have responsibility of how we heal from that and, and come to a proper understanding that our God is perfect and man is not. Even our dads, even our moms, as much as we love them, they're not perfect. And we need to come to that conclusion. But like it or not, as a parent, we're painting a picture of God to our kids. And so if we're doing that, we need to try and figure out, let's answer this massive question, okay? Who is God? What is his character? If you have a Bible, I'd love, love for you to find Exodus chapter 34. This is a unique text where Moses would, would go up Mount Sinai, would go up the mountain. He would speak with God, and God would give him instructions. In fact, the Ten Commandments, okay? And he would speak to Moses and, and give him the instruction for his people. Now, this particular time, we're going to look at Exodus 34. We'll start in verse 5. Moses has gone up on Mount Sinai. God has... Is, is, is going to come down to him and tell Moses who he is. He's going to declare, this is who I am. God is going to speak this. Exodus 34, verse 5. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him. And he called out his own name, Yahweh. He's, he's announcing who he is. He's God. The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out. This is now what he's going to declare. Yahweh the Lord. The God of compassion and mercy. I, he says, I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. That's who I am. That's the God you serve. I am God. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. But I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren the entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations. Generational sin, the effects of sin, can even impact further generations is really what that is referring to. But in this short passage, we, we get a pretty full picture of who God is. We see his love. We see his compassion. We see his eagerness and willingness to be a forgiver of sin. It's incredible, right? But at the same time, you see his justice. Says, there's, I, I'm not going to excuse the guilty. There's no sin that's going to be undealt with. As a follower of Jesus Christ, adopted into the vine, grafted into the vine, excuse me, adopted into his family, our sin was dealt with on that cross. Jesus faced the wrath of God. When he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He became the propitiation or the, the appeasement of God's justice, of God's wrath. He was the sacrifice that paid the penalty of our sin. He faced our punishment. And so our sin was dealt with, the totality of sin upon that cross. Now, as a father of Christ, I, I, just like being I'm having a son and me being his daddy, he's always going to be my son. Doesn't matter what he does, but we're still going to deal with sin. And we still have that as God disciplines us as his children. But the totality of sin has been dealt with. For those who have not put their faith and trust in Jesus, there's still a reckoning to come. That sin will be dealt with through the form of punishment through hell. God is love, but God is also just. He's justice. And that's the picture that we see even in Exodus 34. As a parent, we have to have both. What's interesting is that uh, there was a study, I think it's like 30 years ago, at Harvard University. They were trying to conclude uh, who the best parents were. 
and I found it interesting in their little study. This is what they deemed to be the best parents. They were firm disciplinarians while simultaneously showing great affection for their children. Yeah, kind of like God, right? Full of love, but also full of justice. Firm disciplinarians while simultaneously showing great affection for their children. That's kind of a synopsis of Exodus 34. And as parents, we need to move forward with our kids in that light with both forgiveness and grace mercy, the kindness of God, but at the same time, we have a role, responsibility to instill in them a healthy fear or reverence for God. Proverbs 1.7, fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. It's the beginning of wisdom, is really having a fear of God, understanding who he is, his might, his power, okay, his omnipotence, having a healthy awe reverence of our God, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Okay, instead of fearing the Lord, they're like, I don't care about discipline. No, we need both. We need to understand. Coming with a love, a tenderness, but also with, a just, with justice. Now, it's easy to err on one side or the other. Sometimes we'll err on the side of harsh truth. That, that's kind of me. When I'm not walking in the spirit, I can err on harsh truth. Rule with an iron fist. I'll just be honest with you. Now, stereotypically, it's not always the case, but stereotypically, it, it tends to lend, lend itself to the male side. That would be that way. You see this portrayed in a lot of movies and shows, right? The, the, there's tons of movies, tons of shows out there where the dad just causes all these problems because he just ruled with such an iron fist, and drove the, the kid crazy or whatever. One of the most famous Iron Fist dads is, is this guy right here. <laughs> you know, one of the greatest plot twists in film history, he reveals himself, Darth Vader reveals himself to be Luke Skywalker's father. And then the first act of fatherly love is to cut off his son's hand, right? And so, not a great dad. There's some more that are maybe in my wheelhouse. I wasn't a, a, a huge Star Wars fan. I love the earlier or the first ones, but uh, Dead Poet Society always was, was a great film for me, Robin Williams, and he kind of becomes this father figure to a group of young boys or young men. But there's one of these guys, one of these students that had an Iron Fist dad that would not let him act and pursue his dream, and he wanted him to go off on another career path, and the boy ends up committing suicide, spoiler alert, in the movie. If you haven't seen it, it's a great movie. There's other ones, Footloose. There's, you, there's a ton of stereo, stereotypical fathers like that. They err on the side of harsh truth. And that is definitely a temptation for some dads. On the other side of things, there's a, a, a tendency to err on the side of passive kindness. Stereotypically, that could be the mom. And it goes, it, it's not always true in every situation. Sometimes it's reversed in families. But you, you'll... I see this sometimes on erring on the side of passive kindness. Is, is, it's kind of like the parent, and maybe this was your parent growing up, or, or maybe you saw it at school, you had friends like this, but they're like, hey, they're going to party. They're going to go off and, and, and get drunk and, and ex experiment with drugs and, and sex and those things. So we're just going to let the party happen at our house. Since they're gonna, oh, I know they're going to go do it, so we'll just have it at our house so I know they're, they're okay under my roof. It ends up with a, a, a kid dabbling with all kinds of sin with no guidance whatsoever. Proverbs 3.3 3 says, Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Kindness and truth. 
bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. This really mirrors God's heart. We see in Exodus 34, we see in Scripture this beautiful blending of God's love, of his kindness, and his truth. We are to have both together. We're to have this absolute truth, this line in the sand. This is right, this is wrong, but we are to partner it with great kindness, with love, with mercy. And when we enter into those disciplined conversations in the home, we need both. We need to be very careful not to err on one side or the other. We need to proceed down that path of discipline with both kindness and truth. I read the first week in our series, Ephesians 6.4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up. Here's still the command, the challenge with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Okay, we, we can't abandon that. Clearly in Scripture, over and over again, we're to discipline our children. We're to teach them in the ways of the Lord. But it's recorded specifically here for dads. Don't be too harsh. Okay? Don't exasperate your children to drive them to anger. And so as a calibration for me, as I'm interacting with my kids, I want to be reminded, I need that truth, but i got to proceed with kindness in order to raise them up in a godly way. I don't always get it right. I remember when Izzy was around two, and Kim definitely remembers this, but Izzy decided to put her foot down that she was not going to eat a strawberry. One of the most sweet fruits, lovely fruits there is. And she had had it before, but in this case, she just said, no, I'm not going to eat. I said, no, you can't get up from the table to you eat this. You got to try it. And she put her foot down, and, and, and her will was shown, no, I'm not doing this. And no, 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 okay. I, I said, you are going to do this. And she said, no, I'm not. I said, yes, you are. And so I decided in that moment, we go into battle on this hill of a strawberry. The dumbest thing I've ever had to fight about. And it got Heated and intense with me battling it out with a two-year-old over a strawberry. Ridiculous. But I, I wasn't going to lose. And so we fought and we battled and I laid down the law and, and i not proud of it. I forced that strawberry into her mouth. And enough went down the throat that I counted that a win. I ain't a loser. And I look back on that, and it's real easy for us to get caught up. And I'll tell you this, and with strong-willed children, and thankfully, she's not a worst-case scenario. And some of you maybe have dealt with that or are dealing with that. I am reading a great book by James Dobson on the strong-willed child. And there's, there is a, a, uh, a time to say who's boss and, and to show uh, of a shaping of the will to understand who's the one, who's the authority figure. But how I perceived uh, my actions that night, it could have been done in a different way. I was focused more on the behavior instead of the heart. I read in the one-year Bible this week something that Jesus said stuck out to me. He said, but the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. See, these Pharisees were getting on to Jesus' disciples because they didn't wash their hands before they ate. And Jesus says, the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. For from the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. Eating with unwashed hands will never defile you. So as we parent, this is 
how this applies to parenting. You think, well, how does that even work with parenting? It means parents the heart more than the behavior. Because that's where everything flows from, the heart. And so you need to parent the heart more than the behavior. See, it's important. We don't get caught up in behavior modification. Most of the time when kids are acting out, it's because there's something going on in their little heart. That's why they're acting out. And so we've got to get beyond the fight, and we need to get to the heart. That's what ultimately is going to make a difference. If we can figure out what's going on in the heart level, as opposed to what's coming out of the heart. And just the outward, the behavior. But it starts inward. It starts with the heart. And so when we parent the heart, we can't be too harsh. We can't be too passive. We still have to discipline, though. We proceed with kindness, but we proceed with truth as well. And I get it. Discipline can be hard to deliver at a lot of times. It seems it would be a whole lot easier just to let that thing slide. It's just a struggle, you know, whatever it is. And just let the kid get away with whatever they want to get away with. It's more convenient sometimes to let things go. But let me tell you, just because it's convenient doesn't mean it's godly. In fact, I'll, I'll tell you, it's ungodly. It's not love. You're just being passive. It might be easier, but it's not right. Proverbs 13, 24 says, Those who spare the rod of discipline, you're not disciplining your kids, hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. You love them, you discipline them. Again, not out of anger, but with kindness and with truth. Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. It takes the effort. It takes the discipline to train them up. Proverbs 29, 15, to discipline a child produces wisdom, but a mother is disgraced by an undisciplined <coughs> child. Proverbs 29, 17, discipline your children, and they will give you peace of mind and will make your heart glad. Okay, Proverbs, book full of wisdom. In each of these cases, there's this charge to discipline, and it's coupled with this promise. And we want these promises for our kids. But for these things to go well of them, to make your heart glad, to give you peace of mind, it takes discipline, discipline in the home. And it can be hard to give, but it's, it's out of love. It's out of necessity to say, this is the right thing to do. On the other hand, discipline can be difficult to receive. You've been there. Sometimes even with God, it can be difficult to receive. It, it, at first, is, it isn't always joyful. Hebrews 12, 11, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful, okay? But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. The result of discipline, peaceful harvest of right living. Okay, discipline is the right thing. It is. It's the right thing to do. So quickly, I want to wrap up this way. I'm going to give us some effective discipline tips. These I'm trying to implement more into my life and to help me, and I think they can help us today. Number one, make tuck-ins a discipline-free zone. In this series, I'm always trying to have something applicable for us at the end, something a little bit more, hey, we can put this practical in our homes. And so I want to say this, make tuck-ins a discipline-free zone. No matter how much strife you had in that day, no matter how many fights, no matter 
uh, how much disrespect was shown. It is important for moms and dads to humble themselves and remember to show that little rugrat you love them before they go to bed. Walk in there, get down on their level, and love them right where they're at and communicate to them before they fall asleep that you love them and there's no matter what they do, there's nothing they can do that would cause you to love them less. And there's nothing they could do to cause you to love them more. You just love them unconditionally. You adore them. Ephesians 4.26, some of you know this verse. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. Some of us, we've used that maybe with a husband and wife relationship. We're like, hey, we need to at least make sure that we're good before we go to sleep. And you should, by the way. This is definitely appropriate for husband and wife, but it's also appropriate for our relationship with our kids. Verse 27, though, why is it appropriate? Why is it important? For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Don't let the devil into your home by letting them go to sleep without having that reconciliation of saying, hey, I love you. I want you to know. But that doesn't mean you just look past the sin. It doesn't mean that you forget the discipline. No, it just lets them know, hey, before you go to sleep tonight, I want you to know I love you. Now I'm gonna, we're going we're gonna to face what we talked about tomorrow, and that discipline is still in place, or that punishment that we have set is still there, but I want you to know I love you. There's just something sacred about that tuck-in time. From birth to 18, right before going to bed, maybe letting a guard down, maybe thinking about the emotions of the day, but a time for ministry for mom and dad to shower love and grace upon their child. From toddler to teen, hey, I want you to know I love you. I wasn't happy about what happened today, and that wasn't the choice that should have been made, but, but I, you're my girl, you're my boy, I love you. And we make that tuck in a discipline-free Zone. That time of intimacy can be potent and powerful. Number two, take a time out. Hey, sometimes you just need to, hey, hang on. I'm not saying necessarily send it to a timeout. If that's y'all's thing, whatever. What I am saying, though, as a family, there's a time where you need to say, whoa, 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 come on, come to the sideline. As a coach, there are times in our basketball games where I can see momentum is changing a little bit or, or there's something ahead for my team that they're not ready for that we need to get ready for. And we're like, hey, time out. And then there's other times where the wheels are falling off and, and things are going crazy. We're losing control of the ball. We got it. Someone's trying to steal the ball. We're going to lose possession. Time out, time out, time out, time out. And I'm yelling it. Time out, time out. Y'all think I, I can get loud at the basketball court yelling, time out, time out. And we'll call time out. Some, some time outs are proactive and then some are in desperation. As a family, you need both. But you need to call a time out and you need to pull the family aside and when you get in this setting, you cast the vision for a better future together. And you have that conversation with son. Son, what, what, what kind of man do you want to be when you grow up? Sweetie, what, what kind of lady do you want to be? What kind of woman do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want your home to be like? What do you want our home to be like? <coughs> Excuse me. What do you want uh, the relationship between y'all and, and mommy and daddy look like? And you be, you'll be amazed at how articulate kids can actually express how they would like the relationship to look, open and honest and communicate and loving. And you cast vision, okay, here's how we can work to get there. 
What do you think are the steps we can do to make that happen? Here's what I think. Here's what we do. You get everyone together. You get on the same page. You get that vision of what we want our family to look like, how it should be, and then we go run some plays. We go back onto the field. We go back onto the court, and we live life. But you need to be proactive when you see any momentum, when you see anything and say, hey, I can't make a whistle sound. Anyone got a whistle sound? No one. Okay. Time out. Let's huddle up. Hey, let's get together on this. Let's talk about what we want things to look like. What do you think? And you give them a voice. And you'd be amazed if they can handle that conversation from toddler to teen. And then you try to find a way to move forward as a family. Move towards that goal. Number three, stay consistent. It's just a season. There's been some seasons in your life, let's be real, when you were a child and you got through it. I had some seasons in my life. I went from different sports, from baseball to, it was a great season in my life. I'm very fond of when I was a great skateboarder. And uh, skateboarding is not a crime. I had the stickers and I could tell you all about it and I could do a kickflip and I could ollie with the best of them and and. Uh, I had that season in my life. My parents could tell you all kinds of seasons, and basketball and these types of things that have been part of my life, I, I, even like toys. When I was young, my, really kind of maybe probably the first one I really got behind was this, this guy right here. Y'all remember him? He-Man, yeah. This was, I think, what drove a lot of baseball players to steroids. But um, <laughs> obviously he was not tested. But I loved he-Man, and then I would move on like, okay, I'm done with He-Man, and then i move on to, oh, Joe, you know, no one's half the battle, you gotta love G.I. Joe, I had the aircraft carrier, my parents spoiled me, that's your chance to say amen, Dad? Yeah, and uh, <laughs> had like the seven-foot aircraft carrier, like very few people had that, I was, I've told that story when, when I would travel and preach, and some people were always in awe of that, you had that aircraft carrier, I had the aircraft carrier until my friend fell on it and broke it, smashed it to pieces, uh, his name was Paul Little, and he wasn't. And uh, I don't know. Paul, if you're watching, I love you. You did break my aircraft carrier. We sold it in a garage sale, took out the pieces, and a guy bought it and said, I love puzzles. <laughs> I was like, well, put it together. Have fun with it. But so there's seasons of this toy, seasons of that toy, you know, from the, the, uh, Atari to Nintendo to PlayStation or whatever it is. There's just seasons life. There were some fashionable seasons that I had. I, as a young kid, I really wanted this and finally talked my parents into get one of these. Yeah, huh? You know what that's called? Rat tail. I mean, it doesn't that just sound like a fashion apex? When you've got the rat tail, you are having it. Well, I moved on from the rat tail to these old things, you know, the old penny loafer, which they're kind of making their way back without the penny. They put quarters in them now. But it's just a season. The, the key is, as a parent, though, you've got to stay consistent with who you are. You don't have to have ebbs and flows with, oh, with who you are as a parent. Be consistent in your parenting. Stay true. Stay firm. Stay loving. And then just know, kids change fast. And, and we do want to understand the uniqueness of each child, but understand seasons will come and go, and they're growing up. And that's okay. You be consistent with who you are, it's just a season. Fourth, I want to encourage you with this statement today. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. I think this is an important statement for those, especially with teenagers or, or maybe a wayward child. Yes, you can. You can make this 
I know there, there's some parents who say, man, this is not how I wanted it to end up. I think we're just too far gone. Yes, you can. I want you to know that even today, something can change. You can even do something about it. I know screen time is a really good example of that. There's 14, 16-year-olds. There's no limit, no restrictions. And, it, it, and a parent would feel convicted under the Holy Spirit. Like, we, we need to do something about this. You say, well, if I, if I change the standard, if I take it away, if I limit it, they're going to lose their mind, and it's not going to be worth it. No, listen, yes, you can. Yes, you can. If you're convicted by the Holy Spirit, that's the right thing for you to do your family. It doesn't matter how long you've been doing it right. Today, you can start to do it right. Start. I, I, if there's been a pattern of neglect, just start doing the right thing. Thing. Start today. As a nation, we celebrated Martin Luther King Jr. And uh, one of my favorite quotes that he said is this, the time is always right to do what is right. And so if that's not been the pattern, it's now is it still the time. Parent, they're under your authority, under your roof. If they're at the home, parent. And if they're long gone, do the right thing. Just do the right thing. I want to give you an encouraging verse, Psalm 66, 12. Then you put a leader over us. We went through fire and flood, which don't sound like fun things, but you brought us to a place of great abundance. Pray, no matter how tough it is, no how, how tough it will, what you even think it will be, God would get you to a place of abundance. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And yes, God can. Don't quit. Yes, you can. Number five, partner with the Holy Spirit. This is the last one. This is, of course, important. The Holy Spirit has specific roles. Jesus called the Holy Spirit the helper. Anybody need help raising kids? Yeah. I do. Partner with the Holy Spirit. Specifically, the Holy Spirit said he would be the convictor of sin of the world. We can't convict our kids. The Holy Spirit can. The Holy Spirit said he would remind us of things that Jesus taught. Pray that the Holy Spirit would remind your child, your kids, of Scripture, of the Word, of what Jesus said. When there's times of discipline, there are times of gospel conversations. Pray that the Holy Spirit would be in that space. The Holy Spirit is real and can help in any and every, every situation. Pray that the Holy Spirit would be present as you parent. Partner with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can do more than you could ever imagine. Supernatural is better than our natural. We need the Holy Spirit. Even if that relationship has been broken. I heard a story about a, a kid named Ryan. I'm not sure. He, he was uh, somewhere around 20, I imagine. Young, young man, but had lived a life of promiscuity. He had uh, made it his goal to sleep with many girls as possible, to look as good as he could. He was enamored with what females thought of him and how he looked in the mirror. It was the controlling factor of his life. 
everything he did was based upon his physical look and, and what girls thought of him and how he could get them to bed. That was his life. There was a, a minister that was able to talk with him and kind of dig deep into Ryan's heart and life and go beyond the behavior because we would think, man, that's pretty poor behavior. But was able to go beyond the behavior into the heart. Like, what's really going on in here? Come to find out, when he was younger, he was a chubbier kid. And his mom specifically told him, hey, Ryan, unless you get ripped, no girl's going to like you. And said that on a handful of occasions. And unbeknownst really to the mother, it created a wound in this kid's heart and the driving force of his life. That he was no longer ever going to hear that. And he was going to get ripped. And he was going to look the best that he could so that he could get as many girls as he could. And that was the driving force of his life. But he was hurt. And, and as anything that's outside of God, empty. And so this minister said to Ryan, Ryan, why don't you go tell your mom exactly how you feel and what happened? And he humbled himself. He went to his mom. And to her credit, she did three things. The first thing that she did was she listened. The second thing was that she did validate his pain and accepted responsibility for what she did. And the third thing that she did was she asked her son for forgiveness. And that moment healed his heart. And it changed his life. And he's not perfect, but God did reconcile that wound that had been there for about 15 years. No matter what distance there may be between you and a loved one, God can still reconcile. And we need to be willing and, and open to press into those moments and own our part in it. Because like you and me, we're not the perfect parent. And we need to be willing to admit that and understand that maybe we've made mistakes along the way. But we do have the perfect parent that can step into any situation and provide healing and reconciliation and redeem any story for God's glory and even for our good. And so I want to encourage you, parenting isn't for wimps. It's hard. And if you're a kid in here to give grace to mom and dad. Because one day you're going to know, I need grace. And as parents, we need to give each other grace. And sometimes we need to give ourselves grace. And so today the purpose isn't to beat you up. But to encourage you, don't quit. Acknowledge any imperfection. But point to the perfect one. Because he's an ever-present help in times of trouble. Lead with kindness and lead with truth. And in those disciplined situations, be the parent. Don't quit. Proverbs said, you got to hate your kid, basically, if you're not going to discipline them. But if you love them, you train them up. When they're old, they won't depart from it. Press on, parent. Press on. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our, our moment together. I pray that whatever was said would, would, would speak and, and be applied to each unique situation represented in this room. For moms and dads, for single moms, single dads for a, a, a united front, for grandparents, for those that one day would love to have 
children, I pray something would stick in their heart. Father, just take this and apply it in ways that I could never dream of or imagine. Use this for your glory and for the good of others. This is Pastor John. Thank you so much for listening to the Everyday Church Podcast. For more information on us or if you happen to make a spiritual decision during this message, please let us know and go to our website, www.everyday.church. There's an email link that you can click on, and we would love to hear from you. If there's anything going on that has happened during this message, if the Lord has spoken to you or you made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Also, if there's a prayer request or concern, then you can email us, and we would love to take the time to pray for you and respond in any way that we can. Again, thank you so much for listening. God bless.